It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome in episode 317 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined once again by the one and only Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you? I'm not fantastic. I feel like we do this. I'm fantastic one episode. I'm not fantastic the next. Uh, no, uh, we talked slippage on the last one. And uh, Jack, there was some slippage. Ooh. So... I, we'll, we'll talk about the how and the why and the buzzer beater and how disappointing it is and how it was yet another setback. But I, I don't know, man, there was something about today, Sean, that felt different to me in, in just in terms of an exhaustion and like a, a, a season fatigue of this feels so much bigger than Kentucky basketball at, at this point, Sean, but that, it feels like we can't watch these games on a game by game basis without it becoming something bigger than just a true result. Like it, it is, it, it is not about losing 75, 74 in Baton Rouge anymore. It wasn't even about winning at Auburn and making a statement, double digit statement just four days ago. Even that was a larger picture Maybe this is the saving of John Calipari's time at Kentucky. And, and you know, is this the resurgence that this program needed? And then four, day, four days later, it then becomes, you know, well, this is the reason why we now have to look big picture about what the future holds. And, like, we can't just enjoy these games from a day-by-day basis anymore. Everything is at the macro level, big picture, what it means – and like, dude, I'm just I, there's so much weight on everything, and it, and it's exhausting. Like this, this was not a fun day for me as a fan. Like this, I mean, obviously, win or lot, uh, win or lose, just understand. Like as knowing as soon as the game ended, that I would have to go onto social media, and every comment would be fire cow. This is that, you know. And on the same side, when you get a big win, how it's. See, ah ha ha! Told you, you cow doubters. This is why. Like, I, it, it, I wish we could just focus on the game itself, and it's just exhausting, man. I, today, today really, really sucked. It's, it's it's literally a thunderstorm right now, right? Like you've got you've got your mixture of hot, you got your mixture of cold, and it's just coming together, and it's making it hard to navigate. I think for a lot of people, and. This this has happened. I mean, like you you had one of the highest moments of the season just a couple of days ago, followed by an, another low moment, and losing at the buzzer the way that you lose on a defensive breakdown at the end. Somebody else ball watching that would that we'll get into. It's just it's the same stuff over and over again. And I'm with you. Like today, I sat there and it's it's been 15 years, and in those 15 years. There's two seasons that stand out to me that I think overall have stressful moments. 
from almost start to finish. The 38 and one team, surprisingly enough, was one of the most stressful seasons I ever followed because once it got to a certain number, you would watch games and just feel the tension. You'd feel the pressure of, oh my gosh, this thing is actually, it could happen. And then with each win, like pressure grew, like maybe not on the guys, but within the fan base, like I felt it watching games. Jack, I feel that same pressure now with this team just because I feel the magnitude of just how important this season is for the program, but more so for John Calipari and where he goes with this. And they're polar opposites because one was chasing perfection and the other one's just chasing what you used to do. But I feel it within the fan base that there's just a lot of pressure here, and you're saying it. like It's either we're too negative or we're too positive. So we try to find this middle ground, me and you do, but I feel like I'm living a repeat of a cycle here that you just try to find something you think they're going to take a turn and go the right direction, and then they they get out toughed. They give up offensive rebounds. They give up three straight threes just because they don't talk and communicate. Like Even though the final score ended up being 75 to 74, the issues that they had down the stretch were the same issues that they were having when they were giving up 90-plus, and it broke them down. And they lost another game in the SEC with Alabama coming to town. Like, ah, frustrated. Like, you, you just don't know what you're going to get from this team game in and game out. And that's why, like, it is – if you're going to think long-term and, and the the momentum and the trajectory, like, that's where those concerns come from is just right when you start saying – Ugan Yenso, we've found our anchoring big down low. He he has he has emerged. He puts together his worst game as a wildcat. Like DJ Wagner, as good as he's been all year long, hits a stretch of, you know, probably played too many minutes down in Baton Rouge. While you waste an all-time finish for for Rob Dillingham, you waste yet another incredible all-around performance for Antonio Reeves. Uh, like. It, it just it all feels so much bigger than the stupid box score though like it just it it all feels like there's so the the discourse about the game itself and how it all unfolded is just so trivial and and and, and, and just none of it matters in the grand scheme of things because there's it just it does it, I, I completely agree with what you said it just feels like everything is the the weight around every little detail about this program, two sides that are just like I described it on the website today. Uh, it, it feels like we are approaching a civil war where both sides are on the edge of their seat, just waiting for that. Like, all right, I, this is my moment to attack. This is going to be when I'm going to come in for my hammer instead of like just focusing on the players, focusing on the individual development, the momentum going into March and making sure these kids are playing their best basketball by season's end. And it just feels like we're taking away from such a fun year of how good these individual talents are that just haven't figured out how to put together 40 minute stretches. And that should be the focus, but instead it's, it just, it's become something so much bigger and I truly hate it. I, I really hate that it has become something that it does not need to be in that literal. I mean, it, it basically feels like none of these games matter at, at this point because there's such an emphasis on March that everything leading up to that is just kind of wasted time. And people just kind of using that as individual like bullets for their, you know, ammunition for their own season long takes rather than living in the moment and 
taking each game for what it is. And and that's kind of the with where this program is, like that's what was established a, a long time ago is that, that March is all that matters. But given just how disappointing March has been for five years, and I was talking to someone today about it, and we've talked about this on the show. This is a program that not only has March not been good in the NCAA tournament, it's they've not even won the league title in the SEC tournament since 2018. They've not played for the SEC tournament title since 2018. So there's there's regression in other areas within this program that I think has just added on to the pressure of this season where this is a turning point or maybe even an ending point for this because like I just don't really know if this thing if if this thing goes off the tracks. I just don't know what it looks like in a few months. And and that's a lot to weigh on Cal. That's a lot to weigh on these kids. That's a lot to weigh on the fans. Like it's, it's weighing on everybody, I think, but, and I get it. Do you have the people that are, and I think they're absolutely right. The only thing you can do right now is to stay positive with these, this group and, and, and hope that it works out and stay committed and, and cheer them on and, and try to get them across the finish line and put this team in a situation to make a run it's just they consistently do things that make you doubt whether or not they can win consecutive games when it matters most in the NCAA tournament. Like, there were issues last night. You go up double digits with a great run to close the first half, another run to open the second half, but then you give up threes consecutively. You give up an offensive rebound where there's only one guy on Kentucky putting a body on somebody. Offensive rebound, three-pointer transition three-pointer because nobody talks and nobody communicates. Late in the game, you're down one. Reed Shepard falls asleep off the ball, gives up in a wide-open three. Last play of the game, broken play. Rob Dillingham, for some reason, just stops and almost leaks out. And it's his man that just basket cuts and just the ball finds him. Like, it's, it's those issues that keep biting Kentucky. It's, it's lack of discipline and staying together – and then it's it's consistency stuff. You mentioned Ugo. Ugo has has this game, then Ugo has a game where he, he's not at his best. And then Antonio Reeves is trying his best to make shots. And in Will Kentucky, Rob Dillingham has a, a strong second half offensively. But there's a lot of stuff going on here that it, it's hard to really find confidence in this team building some con- some consistency moving forward. And you got a tough one coming into Rupp Arena Saturday. Last, last night was an opportunity to really put yourself on to Friday of the SEC tournament. Florida losing, you get Alabama coming to town. Instead, you're right back in a situation where Saturday feels like a must win for you. You've got to have something there, but you just got a big one a few days ago, but now we're here talking about another loss, and that that's just so deflating to me because it was something to build on, and now you kind of just threw it to the side here. And and that's the worst part. That's I mean, is that not exactly what we talked about on our Sunday show? Basically saying, or what Monday, whatever we ended up doing it. It's like you finally build some tangible momentum. You finally start putting together legit stretches of all around basketball. It's not just offensive driven. Let's just try to outscore teams. You start winning rock fights. You start. Putting, I mean, that Saturday, that Saturday effort at Auburn, you finally saw this team play at its peak defensively. They brought the physicality, they brought the tenacity, they had all of 
the things that you've been waiting for with this group. And all we said was, you know, that was after a really impressive effort uh, against Ole Miss as well. We just said, you just cannot let up. Just keep the momentum, keep the ball rolling, and turn, you know, in, in a single game, three consecutive stops as a kill. Turn it into a season stop where you get three consecutive games of legitimate high-level defensive you know, production so you, they can start using that as a long-term sample size and saying, okay, here's our blueprint. Here's how what this looks like going into March. It's the perfect time to build the, the, the momentum, you know, kind of peaking right at the right time. And it, it just felt like such a wasted opportunity with you. I mean, you did see them play high level defense for extended periods, but there was just so much, you know, lack of focus. And it, it felt like there were different, you know, it started out as a track meet. The defense wasn't engaged. Then it kind of turned into a rock fight where, you know, I don't know if it was more, more just missed shots and them kind of just trading off bricks or if it was actual, you know, real, real defense. And then there was that stretch to open the second half where you're leading by 15 points and you are right there in position for the kill and then you take your foot off the gas. And this is a team that just came off of a 16-point comeback win on the road at South Carolina, one of the hottest teams in the SEC. That should be like the ultimate no-go. That should have been the one thing on film that you look at and go, hey, guys, we have just seen this team be in the same position, same time in the second half and everything. Let's keep a really close eye on this and not give up. Let's not let up. And it was like mentally just a poof, like flip of the switch. As soon as they got at 15, they let the, you know, couple leak outs happen. They just kind of let off the gas uh, and it just turned into a complete, I mean, 20 point swing in nine minutes. Just, it, just such a wasted opportunity. And it shouldn't have even gotten to the point of the, the buzzer beater. It shouldn't have gotten to the point where you needed Rob Dillingham to save the day. It sucks that we wasted that effort. But it shouldn't have ever even gotten to that point. It's just a wasted opportunity that, again, turns a a wasted opportunity in the short term and what it means in the individual season as is as it stands right now. And it just kind of gives ammunition to just the loudest voices in your ears. That it's just like one thing after the other. We can't just we can't just take it for for what it is in stride. Just of all ways to end a game, Sean. It, it had to be that one. Like I, I'd almost prefer you just get your ass kicked. Like why? Why could? Why did it have to end in the one, the one way that could lead to the well? If we had some somebody a coach on the sidelines that could blah 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 blah. If this guy had the rotations, if they, it's, ugh, terrible, well, it's terrible. Well, it's like the final possession where they score, and you know Rob hits the shot, and and there's a lot of time left for LSU. Well, well, not nitpicking that because you're down. Like, it's not like you're – I mean, you're not going to sit there and hold for the final shot because you want to give yourself a chance to get an offensive rebound or, or miss or extend the game because, to me, you're, you're not winning the game on that final possession. If it's a tie game, it's different. But you did have to get a stop to end it. And this that's the thing that we know that this team has struggled with the most this year is getting that stop. And if it's not coming up the stop, it's coming up with the defensive rebound to get. But – I mean, Kentucky doesn't necessarily lose the game on that possession. There were other areas, and it was the run to to get the second half and get LSU back in it and ultimately give them the lead. As, as quickly as they built that lead, Kentucky gave it away. And it was offensive rebounds. 
pretty sure if you've got the box score up, and I had it on my phone looking at it a moment ago, three consecutive threes, right, mm-hmm. yep. that they had. The first one, Daniel, I was sending Daniel some screenshots of it. It's an offensive rebound that they get. And that's the that's the first clip. But Justin Edwards was the only one making contact and right here. And DJ Wagner doesn't make contact. You get an offensive rebound. Instead of corralling a rebound and being up 11 going the other way, you've now let that thing get cut down to 44 to 36. The next thing you know, it's 44 to 39. And then the last one, nobody talks. Reed Shepard steps up late, and it's 44 to 42. Around like 15 minutes to go in the second half. So three straight possessions, two of them I believe off. I believe both were off offensive rebounds, and the other one was a transition three. It's the same things. It's not being disciplined enough to continue to get not just get stops, but to finish possessions with a rebound, not to box out. Like that's that's elementary stuff. Like go back and run those again, Daniel. And just just look at the positioning. You've got one guy in the corner who is absolutely who's taking the shot. No box there. Shots probably coming off where, Jack, if you're if you're thinking about it, if you're if the ball's being shot from the corner, it's probably more chances or not, it's coming off the opposite side that the shot was coming from. DJ doesn't make contact and his man gets the rebound, and then sure enough, it's a it's a kick out three that, that cuts it down to single digits. And it kind of starts the avalanche of their comeback. It ignites it. And Kentucky just could not come up with stops. And then they they put themselves back in a position to win the game and just couldn't get them enough late. Like that's the stuff that I'm talking about that concerns me about making a run in March. When you get in a do or die moment, do or die situation, you've been in plenty of them now and you've shown me that you can't come up with it. They had a lead against Auburn and never really got put in a position to kind of lose it down the stretch. Antonio Reeves made shots. They did get enough stops to win that game. Auburn struggled. They, they missed some open shots. Kentucky overall was better defensively. They had moments last night where I thought they were defending well, but you just can't negate it with things like that. And that is what ignited the run. It was simple. Not boxing out, not communicating and talking in transition led to nine straight points that made it a two-point game. What do you think it is? Like, What leads to mental lapses in that way where we have seen them put those things together and it like it just it, it does feel like on just on the surface level just from the outside looking in that it is just a, a it, just an engagement thing a, a concentration a focus thing a, an effort thing at times but how are we five games left in the regular season now playing at a level where we have seen this team play at a final four level where we see setbacks and we see different things. And it, it, I know a lot of people brought up the, you know, 2013, 14 year. And obviously that's the goal. Like that is the, what, what we aspire to be, but it just does feel like, man, the inconsistency is so loud that like what, how, how does that get fixed with such a short runway here in the regular season moving forward with five games left? Well, it, it's it's tough because like it's it's things the the lack of discipline and, and somebody put it in the comments the lack of attention to details, and I think that that's spot on. I, I really I really believe that because it's it's the small things that are actually the big things, and we keep reading the same story here with Kentucky. They keep losing games in similar fashion because they they can't grab rebounds or they can't get stops when it matters. Like. 
you you get another big effort from Rob. Antonio Reeves, you know, does his thing. There there was a play. It was obviously a Duthiero that had the the dunk that kind of got Kentucky rolling, and then it was Reed that gave up a three by ball watching and standing still and, and being on the strong side corner and giving so much separation and space. Like, like what are you doing? This is college basketball. Those guys can make those shots. And then some some turnovers and, and things too. Like there, there was a lot that kind of fed into it. But when you break it all down, it's the same issues that Kentucky has been having for months now or weeks that has been leading to all these losses in league play. And I know they didn't give up 90, but they still had those same problems and same things that concern me about when it comes down to March and it's a possession-by-possession game. This team isn't showing me that it can win when it's valued possessions late in games. It can't. It's not been able to get the stops needed, not to be able to get the rebounds needed. I know they can make the shots. Rob made it. Rob made them down the stretch. But Kentucky just could not get the stops together defensively to get them over the hump. That's what concerns me. This team has enough to do it. It's just do they have enough discipline to finish it off? Oh, boy. I mean, it it feels like they're so close, though, Sean. Like, I think that's where a lot of the frustration comes from because you did have individual segments of high-level play, both offensively and defensively, but it it does feel – in this stretch of this this three game stretch where they are you know playing showing at least some some substance on the defensive end that they're also giving up just as much on the offensive end and it's it's we kind of had this dream of okay well if they can continue to put you know maybe not score 90 but if they could live in that 85 point range and win games 85 to 74 or whatever like that's a championship recipe so what does it take to put those two things together on both ends? Because it does feel like we are getting back to those extended periods of not scoring the ball and different guys kind of just disappearing at, at, at just absolutely crucial times. What does that recipe look like where we do have the offensive, You know what we saw for 90% of the season up to this point offensively while kind of still showing the kind of the – the guts they've shown on the defensive end uh, here in this last three game stretch. Oh, and, and that's like they they had moments too, like the run to close the first half, and the run to open the second half was a really good stretch of basketball. Justin Edwards hit a couple of threes in that stretch, and he looked confident taking them. They actually they ran a hammer screen to get him a look early in the second half that he knocked down right in front of the UK bench, and when that went down, I was watching the game on on a, on a bus ride home. And I was like, okay, you've you've gone through a rough patch here early in the game, but you've kind of settled yourself. And now you've got Justin, who made a shot late in the first half, who's now opened the second frame with a big shot. You're you're starting to get some guys rolling. You're starting to build something here. You're on the road. You're you're pushing it out. And then you just start having those lapses that I've been talking about. And that's where it's so hard to kind of pinpoint how to fix it. Because it's you've been given the blueprint over and over and over again. You've been given the the film to look at and say, you individually break down here. You individually break down there. Some of it, too, was I think in that stretch you had some shots that maybe you wish you could have had back. Uh, Aduthiero gets in the paint, misses one, but he kind of didn't initiate any contact, which is what he's so good at to even put the officials in a position to put him at the line. 
Jordan Burks took a shot that that I don't know if that's that's who you want in that moment taking shots. A dude took took a few more. Like DJ Wagner, some missed threes. Someone who's not really found his rhythm since coming back from injury. I think that really disrupted him. Obviously, I mean that's when you miss some time, you're you're trying to find your way back. I have the same concerns about Trey when he's back. Like that's why we see it's important to have at least some type of runway left to figure it out for these guys. And there's still some runway left. But I think that's kind of playing into it. So it was also not just decision-making on the defensive end, maybe lapses there where you're you're ball-watching or you're not rebounding or you're not closing out, no communication. I think this team struggles to communicate defensively. You also had some guys taking shots at times that it fed and fueled the run that LSU went on as well. It was a... It was a fatal combination on both ends of the floor, and that's why it evaporated so quickly. And that's, look, nine points in three possessions. Boom, gone just like that. And that can happen against anybody in Power 5 conference basketball or college basketball. That's how you can't be comfortable up 14 or 15. You've got to keep pushing this thing and locking in defensively. They build it, but they couldn't sustain it, and that's what worries me. Does it mean anything to you that it, our, our guy Buddy, um, a couple comments about this, but just kind of how the games have ended. Kentucky has been within two baskets in five of our eight losses. Does the the way they're losing give you more hope or more pessimism going into March because they have found themselves in these kind of marchy games, but they're just not winning them? Like it it's a comfortable spot to be in to be uncomfortable because that's, that's how March madness works. But at some point you kind of like, this would have been the perfect opportunity for Rob to hit the game winner. And everybody goes, Oh my God, they, they broke through. This was the the moment, but then they lost it. Like it part of me. I, I kind of feel both ways. I kind of have a, a foot in, in, in both areas. I, I don't know how to feel. I feel the same way with you. And, and honestly, like it, it to me, it's good that you keep being put in this situation. I've said it like this game will bring you full circle, right? And you're right back in the exact same situation. And it's what have you learned from the previous ones? And they're going to continue to be in these situations. They are good enough to compete. They're good enough to even with the kind of the issues and things to have chances to win. Like they could have won that game last night. Even with all the things that we're talking about, they were right there on the road with a chance to win. I have hope. Because I do think at some point they're going to put it together and they're going to win games. It's just, do they sustain it through a six-game tournament? 2011, Kentucky, it's so long ago. It's 14 years ago. And it's I've, I've gone back and watched some of those games, and it's kind of wild how they played style-wise at a time, and then Cal kind of shifted and played a completely different style a few years later, and now we're kind of back with this spread it out and shoot it and and everything else that they're doing, and, and smaller lineups and things. That team lost game after game after game on the road in the SEC by a point or two. On the road at North Carolina, lost a close one. Had no road wins hardly at all. Beat Louisville. They ended up beating Tennessee, won the SEC tournament. But I think in that time, we didn't have kind of the the foundation of knowing what we were actually watching. Like, built for March and what John Calipari said, the program has been built for March. And at one point it was accurate. You knew no matter what happened in 2014, 
Once that happened, you kind of you had built-in confidence to kind of let these things slide. The problem is, is you've had five years of this now, and you're not getting those March results that you had at once that you once could put hope in. They're in the back of your mind because you've seen it happen. You've just not seen it happen in a while. So they're they're going to be in situations where I think they're going to give us some hope to do it. I want to see it sustained. The league tournament to me is where it's going to come. Because I think they're going to be involved if they if they advance to the semifinals, they're going to be involved in close games in that tournament. And that to me, there needs to be value placed in winning the SEC tournament this year for this program. Because that's one thing that Kentucky has dominated over the course of its history, but it's not been dominating it the last half a decade. Get back to doing that. And I think there's value in competing in it and winning it this year. Because that's an area they've not performed well in, Jack. And that, to me, sets them up to kind of build something going in, along with Saturday against Alabama, on the road in Starkville, on the road in Knoxville. Like, there's plenty of opportunities here. But with each one, the runway does get shorter. And you want to see it sustained leading into the NCAA tournament. I want to know when Selection Sunday comes around, if I'm John Calipari or if I'm a fan of this program, I want to know – going in. I don't want to have any doubt that we can do it. I don't want to have to wait and see it then. I want to see just enough of it to give me hope going in to have some confidence that this team can do it. They're good enough to do it. I'm telling you, this this team can be very good, but they also have flaws that if they're not fixed, they can be fatal. And that's a very dangerous game. But there's a lot of teams that play that dangerous game. You just got to hope it bounces in your favor and it it works out. And, And I still think it can but I am concerned because you did, and I keep using the word slippage, like there was some slippage, slippage last night. You you slide back a little bit when you had a chance to kind of keep taking steps forward and putting yourself in a position to get back and winning the the league regular season. But now you're you're out of. It. I mean, you're you're a lot back. Like it's tough. How much are you putting on Trey Mitchell's absence and kind of considering that in in terms of the team's identity because. You know, down the stretch, once you get Trey Mitchell back, I feel like they've tried to go kind of inch toward a small ball lineup ahead of his injury. And then when that happened, you kind of had to adjust on the fly with that. But I think big picture, there is a path here where Trey is your five, Adu is your four, Adu is playing the best basketball of his, you know, career and, you know, kind of he's finding his peak at the right time. And then I think of the four guards, play whatever the three is at you know that's hottest at the time. Do you think that when backs against the wall, Cal really has no choice but to just say we got to play the five guys that are going to contribute to winning the most for us, and we have the you know the the sample size of what that looks like with that small ball lineup. We know what they look like at their peak. Let's just kind of ride that wave. Do you think, you know, it sucks because Ugo had been playing at such a high level and then took a pretty serious step back uh, down in Baton Rouge. How much does that impact things? And do you kind of see that as the long-term vision with this team? Trey at the five, a do at the four, and then three of the four guards. And, and, and before we get into that, with Ugo here, I want to be fair to him because I didn't even think that he would be getting the opportunities in the run that he's gotten. Mm-hmm. And he put himself in position to get that. But we're also talking about a guy that did not have much experience and still does not. He didn't get a lot last year. 
he's essentially a freshman that has been brought into the, the mix in SEC play. Got a little bit there against North Carolina and some stuff, but that's some of the inconsistency that you're going to see. And I think overall the front court inconsistency is, is definitely been an issue. And then you don't have Trey. So you, you got to look at it differently, I guess, because they, they don't Trey to me is still one of the most important pieces on this roster. I know that he, that he had some struggles here the last few weeks, multiple different injuries and things, but just his presence alone, I think changes Kentucky. And then when you had him, you had DJ going through that. Like injuries have caused some some disruptive things with, within this program this year and this team that they've not been able to kind of have that continuity together. That's why I'm hoping if they can just get healthy and find a rhythm, then establish kind of who they are. And it's been tough to establish it. So I do think that when, when Trey's back, the way you're seeing this rotation, I do think you're going to see some small ball looks again and, and get back to some of the things that they did because, and here's why if for nothing else, that's when you looked your best. And I kind of want to see it again to see if that, if that is still there along with some growth defensively, some growth rebounding guys. We, we've talked about it. Adding seven footers hasn't kind of taken away some of the offensive rebounding issues Kentucky's had. Like, what was the second chance point totals last night? I think I know that they got double digit offensive rebounds. And I'd like to start seeing those be single digits. If you can keep that number into single digits, and I think they got double digit points off of it too. 13 9 LSU won that one. And you you lose a game by by one. Like, I mean, it, it just it comes down to to marginal things when you look at it. You were perfect at the free throw line, right? Did they miss a free throw, Kentucky? Uh, 12-12, all in the second half, which is super convenient because I thought from start to finish, it was just a, a hilariously officiated game. I mean, just kind of picking and choosing when to do re- go go to the monitor. Um, I, just I, I really hated that from start to finish, but they did you, take advantage in the second half when when they got the opportunities. You, finally. you, you give up 48 second half second half points, too. Like that's that's the stuff that I'm I'm talking about too with uh with just some of the regression. Like you you've been you've been defending better. And and credit to LSU, they they made shots, but some of these are wide open. And Daniel, I, I know I've been I've got Daniel doing like double duty here. He's been grabbing some screenshots for me and stuff to show, <laughs> and I think he's got them. So I, I showed you the one where Kentucky gave up an offensive rebound. And then there was another three in between. But if you remember the first graphic that Daniel showed, I think there was 17 and change left in the second half, and Kentucky was up 44 to 33. So here we are a minute later, and this is transition. 26 seconds on the shot clock. There's no excuse to be as scrambled as you are. Rob is pointing. Don't That doesn't mean he's talking, though. So go back to the other one. Like, this is what you don't know because we're not close enough to hear it. Rob is pointing. Like, he's clearly telling Reed, that somebody's got to get the basketball. That's priority number one in transition defense. Protect the paint, stop the basketball. Reed isn't there, and you keep rolling it, and there's a wide-open three. Now it's 44-42. And the next thing you know, LSU has the lead not too long after that, and what Kentucky built in the opening segment, it lost in the opening segment of the second half. And – that's how quickly it evaporated, Jack, and that's what got Kentucky in the situation that it was in, now having to dig out of a deficit when it should have been sustaining and building on its lead and, and putting itself in a position in the final 10 to kind of put it away. But then it flipped, 
And that's how quickly this thing flips. Um, and I know timeouts and things like that. You're waiting for the under the under 16 media timeout, but that's three possessions that Kentucky didn't communicate or rebound on the defensive end. And then you, you had other issues on the offensive end where Kentucky was taking some shots and maybe not getting exactly what it wanted. So that's how quickly things can change in this game. And that's why the attention to details are so important. In, in terms of the, you know, the, the lead guard position, um, how do you see that shaking out here down the stretch where you get such polarizing play from a guy like Rob Dillingham, where it, it felt like the last 10 minutes, he was the best play, you know, a, a clear number one draft prospect and the other 30, I, I think he played 22 total, but you know, the first 12 that he was on the floor, a, a, a negative. And then the last 10, he was th the best player on the floor how do you work that and consider that as you are building toward March with such a small one runway, obviously, while... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. DJ struggling the way that he did and Reed, you know, has his absolute ridiculous highs, but also his clear flaws as we're talking about with ball watching and, you know, some of the other defensive liabilities where he's, you know, active hands, great off ball in, in, in certain ways, but also extremely poor in others. How does that shake out when you are kind of looking for that go-to lineup down the stretch to try to go win you a basketball game? It's tough because I think that's probably been the most difficult thing for Cal right now is really settling in on on who he wants and when he wants it and where he wants it with this team. And I do think that, that some of Rob's defensive breakdowns have kind of played into that. I think even some of Reed's at times have played into it. And then obviously DJ getting hurt and going through that, I think was probably one of the most disruptive things that they've experienced this season was was him being out because it, it has affected him. He's not shooting the ball well. Teams are pretty much daring him to shoot. And one thing I will say for Cal is I would I would say that DJ and getting DJ drafted and this being a successful thing adds pressure. But I also think that Cal sees that if DJ's not playing well, that he's not just going to run him out there and, and let him, you know, suffer through it or struggle through it. Like he's been on the bench in some pretty important moments in crunch time the last few games. And I obviously Gonzaga's first game back. So you're seeing a commitment to trying to figure it out and trying to, to, to get where you're going. But I don't think that and, and, and Justin to me, like I'm I'm getting on Justin Edwards now. I'm seeing growth. And I had the conversation with someone today that Justin's bad has actually not been that bad. It's been bad because everybody viewed him as a number one, number two pick. That set the that set for what everybody thought it was going to be. So then when it wasn't even near that, it was, oh, he's terrible. 
or, oh, he's bad. But he's building something. And I thought maybe there was an opportunity to get him more last night for a stretch. And you didn't, which tells me I think Cal is kind of having a hard time navigating this thing because you're getting you're getting good from Ugo one game. You think you've settled in on it, and then you don't get good Ugo. And then you get DJ back in it. You get Rob scoring whatever, but then Rob struggles defensively and has some breakdowns. So I think that, honestly, Cal's a little off balance with where he's wanting to go, and I'm not crushing him for it because I'm trying to figure it out myself when I'm watching these games. Like, there's just no sustained anything right now. There's no sustained rotation. There's no sustained production. There's no sustained defensive communication, rebounding. Like, until they get some of those things, I think it's going to be hard to kind of change what we're seeing. You may get it for one game on the road at Auburn, but is it enough to sustain it and follow it up against LSU, against Alabama? That's what it's going to take for this team to eventually turn the corner, like actually turn it. They're in the turn, but then they keep trying to – they're turning too soon or they're turning back. They're getting there. It's just they're not getting all the way through it, Jack, and that that's where the running out of runway scares you. I hope I'm making sense at all. Like I'm, I'm all over the place, I know, but there's just a lot to this. And then two – Going into this thing, I think every single person on on this podcast and in the chat, to me, DJ Wagner, Justin Edwards, Aaron Bradshaw. I think if you polled every single fan, 90% of them would have picked those three to be the Kentucky's three best players. Now, there's been some things that have factored into that. Aaron was hurt. Aaron missed a large chunk of summer, all summer, fall. DJ's had some injuries. Justin's had his struggles. You know, Reed and Rob have actually been the two guys that have probably outperformed what everybody thought was going to happen. I think that that's probably put a little bit on it too. So that that keeps you off balance in itself. It's just Cal's got to figure this out and find it. And, you know, you know Daniel in the chat, you're talking about Antonio Reeves scoring 1,000 points in two years. I, I when, when that flashed, I was like, whoa, that's – holy cow, like – and still a lot of season to play. I do think their best basketball is ahead of them. That's what I'm trying to get at. It's just it still scares me about sustaining that best basketball. It can't just be for one or two games. We need this thing for two to three weeks. If you get it two to three weeks, they got a shot. I, I think the scariest part of all of this is if they roll through the SEC tournament, they get to the NCAA tournament – roll through those first two games and you're going into the sweet 16 thinking like, Whoa, baby. Like we were finally hitting our stride. And then you kind of revert back to, you know, the, that extended week kind of hits reset with them. And we kind of get back to an LSU game. Like that would be the ultimate buzzkill with this group where it just does feel like, man, again, we have not had, three straight wins dating, uh, you know, th- through the entire 2024. Like it, we, since the non-conference schedule, we've not seen three consecutive wins. So when you try to build up this idea of what that looks like in your head, like we also have to understand that black and white, it's, it takes six, it takes six straight wins and we haven't even gotten three in months now. So that's just the, the, the terrifying part. There, there's this beautiful yet terrifying reality with this team where they have by far the highest ceiling in college basketball I don't think that's close but they also have a pretty damn low ceiling to the point where you I mean 
just the the outcomes are so unbelievably wide that like is it is it you know fair to say that this team can't win a title it absolutely is like that they they absolutely have the 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 personnel to go win a title but they also have the personnel to go and lose in the round of 64 like that is the widest span i can remember of like even last year's team you knew that that team was probably going you know they were going to win the opening round but then from there it kind of was matchup based and will you know depends on what the opponent looked like and if they could go in and, and beat you at that next level this group i mean it truly feels like I'll be nervous. I'll have all of a nervous breakdown every single game throughout the March run because you just never know what to expect. That could lead you to six straight, unbelievably wild games. It could also lead you to a heartbreak first night. Like it just, I don't, I don't know what to expect. And that's a good thing, but also a terrifying thing. It is. And like I said, we, you have a blueprint here that it has worked. And and that's why I'm, I'm not going to crush Cal for his statement saying we're built for March. Like, to me, Cal's got to give the fans something to hang on to, and that's probably gotcha. the easiest thing to give because he he is he has proven his point to that. Um, now, the last stretch of years hasn't been good. The the results in March aren't there. I get it. But the team that lost to St. Peter's on paper and on Ken Palm was a national championship Final Four contender. It was. It just didn't work out that way, and that's the beauty of March it's random and you never know what's going to happen. Like there's, there's one seeds losing to 16s. Like when Virginia finally lost, it's like, you knew it was going to happen at some point, but then it happened again just a couple of years later. So like you're seeing it, you're seeing it happen to, to ones and twos, but you just want to, to me, it's about getting out of the first weekend for this team, get to the second weekend and put yourself in the conversation to make the final weekend because it's matchup based. It's, it's how are you performing in March? And I mean, Cal has done this, and and I'm I'm pulling for Cal on this. Like, it's easy to get frustrated. This is hard. This is 15 years. You're getting to a point now where the good, the really good, was so long ago that you've almost put the not getting there is is the same amount of time. Like the first opening six or seven years, and now the last six or seven years. It hasn't been great. I, I get that. That's why I'm putting so much value in seeing how this team does in the SEC tournament. Because that was Kentucky's tournament for a very long time. And I want to see it be their tournament again this year in Nashville with, with Kentucky fans down there, Jack. And you and I recorded an episode last year, just hours before they played Vandy. And then four hours later, it was old news. Like, I don't want that. I want to see this team go down there and, and figure itself out, but I want to see the, the foundation start to be laid now. Get healthy is priority number one, and then start to figure this thing out. But, you know, Cal didn't talk long last night, and I know that's not been accepted well today, but I, I hope they figure it out because – I don't know if any of us can deal with the negativity if this thing ends poorly. I, I can't because we're all probably going to have to join in on it because this is a we, – we called it this, Jack, the most important season. There's no hiding it. March <laughs> results are needed. It's not about beating LSU last night in Baton Rouge. It's not. And in whatever happens here – in three to four weeks, 
What happened last night didn't matter. It's what do you do when you get into that tournament, and that is that's the scary thing about it because we because that's 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 the way this program is though, and that, to me that's the beauty of this program. But it's also probably I don't know the words I'm looking for here, but it's it's probably the the one thing that the burden of this program too. It's the beauty and the burden of it. That's what I'm looking and trying to say. But that's why you play at Kentucky. That's why you coach at Kentucky. That's why Kentucky fans are the best. We know what matters here, and it's winning national championships and getting to Final Fours. Cal said it when he got hired. When we're doing this thing right, we're going to Final Fours, playing for national championships, and winning them. Well, by his logic and by his thing, it's not been done right in a long time. And that's why it's all kind of coming to a head, because he kind of called his shot with this, like going into the year with the comments of, we have, you know, we've been good, but we just haven't been Kentucky good. And then as the year's going on and as the losses kind of mount, like that's when he decides to say this team is built for March. Like he doubled down on those comments. And it just, it it does feel like this is the ultimate shoving all of your chips in on this March run and just saying, well, let's, let's play it as it lies. Let's just see how this all, and it sucks because this is, nine years of no final fours put on the shoulders of these kids. Like it, it, it is a lot because it, there's so much more at play in the grand scheme of things that is put on DJ's shoulders and Rob's shoulders and Reed's shoulders. That's probably not fair to them that they're kind of lumped into this again, civil war that we're seeing of, one side saying it's time, you know, Cal's wash is time for him to go. Another side saying that we have a Hall of Fame coach, that there's nobody else that could do better at this job. I mean, just throwing jabs and haymakers back and forth one after the other. What what does that what does that look like? Because I don't think there is a middle ground here, Sean. Like, I think that's kind of the point that I'm getting at. I don't think that there is a like safety net for the for for Cal. I don't think there's a safety net for this program this March. It kind of feels like opening round or final four. Like it two extremes where one result will decide the future of the Kentucky program and another side of that will decide the future of the Kentucky program. And I hate it for the kids. I hate it for Cal. I hate it for everybody involved, but it just feels like there's so much more at play here that that, I mean, that's just kind of how the cards are going to be dealt here in the next couple of weeks. That that might be one of the realest, truest things that you've ever said on the show, and you you say a lot, but I think you're spot on with with how you put it. And I know you've been trying all day to kind of because we've not really talked much in the chat today, and we usually do after games, but it's been relatively quiet because I don't. I think a lot of us don't really know what to say. Um. But you're you're right, and you've got six or seven years of frustration here that's piling on top of of one team, and they're wearing kind of half a decade on their shoulders. And, and you know, Cal Cal's the one common denominator that's been here through it all, and I, obviously he rightfully is having to wear that. But you're just hoping that they turn a corner and and go on that run that we for two and a half, three months talked about that's still there. Like 
that's the thing with this is you're you're it's never over until you get in that tournament and you the final horse sound the final horn sounds and you're on the other side of it. And we know all too well how that feels with St. Peter's. Like here we were just two or three weeks prior to that, preparing to go on a run, and then it's done. You get in that tournament, you start building something. You never know. You don't know what matchups you get. You don't know what breaks you get. I'm still confident that this team has enough talent that it makes it to me the most intriguing team that will be in the NCAA tournament field because you truly can see so many different results. And I don't think there's other teams in college basketball where the margin can be so wide of how we view it. Like there will be some people that will have Kentucky in the final four. And I think there will be a lot of people that will have Kentucky as a first round exit, depending on matchup. Probably more so the most common thing will be sweet 16 is probably where a lot of people will put them depending on draw. Have you ever seen it this way though, where you really could see any round and it not really surprise you? Like if, I'm not going to lie to you. It wouldn't shock me if they fall to a six or a seven if they lose the first round of the NCAA tournament. It also wouldn't shock me if they're a six or seven and find their way in the final weekend. That's that's me being real with what I feel and what I've seen because I've seen bits and pieces of it, but I've just seen more of the them not making it the distance than I have of them actually going to that final weekend. That's why I got to see more of it. They have shot makers. They have plenty of dudes that can make shots. Rob's not scared of the moment. He'll take every shot. We know that. Antonio Reeves, consistent. I don't think he has to wear it alone this year with, with having to make shots. I think that's going to be a big thing for him. Get Trey back at a deuce toughness and physicality. Like They've got the pieces. It's just it, it needs a DJ Wagner. To, to find himself here in the next few weeks and, and get something and, and build something there. It needs Trey Mitchell. It needs Justin Edwards to keep doing what he's doing because I think there's – I really think there's some value in how he's playing. And the shots that he hit late first half, early second half last night were, to me, a, one of the biggest positives of the season was the confidence to run a hammer screen for him to get a corner three. Like there's something building there that that you're hoping for that sustained breakthrough – but it's just all got to come together. You ever had that feeling, Sean, where it's like you can feel something big is on the horizon, like something larger, again, larger than an individual game by game thing, but like if it, where you kind of have that gut instinct where something out in the, on the horizon is going to like change the trajectory of things one way or the other it kind of feels like we are at that point right now where we had talked several weeks back, week, week or two back where we were kind of at that crossroads for this season where things could trend in the really wrong direction or the right direction. It feels like now we have hit a point where like the trajectory, because March is just right here, five games away. It does feel like we have two unbelievably wide paths here where it's either going to end in this team hanging banner number nine and everybody just kind of all back in and the momentum and the wave and the excitement just kind of all piling back on the way we felt a decade ago or 
it's going to end in tragedy. Like it, it does, it doesn't feel like I just don't envision a scenario where this ends in a sweet 16. Like I don't like, it just does not feel like this team has that in them. It either has as polarizing as it is, how extreme this team has been one way or the other, it would be, it, it would go totally against everything in its DNA to be smack dab in the middle. Like that's just not what the, how this team operates. And it's it's kind of like that eerie feeling where we're sitting right now, not knowing what is ahead and just thinking of like, what what is our, like I'm interested to look back on this show two months from now and like just kind of like, remember how gullible and naive these two morons were? Like it kind of feels like we're at the 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 mountain is right there and we're at the base of it, just kind of looking up at it going, hmm this team is either going to climb up to the very top and have that like hoorah moment, or they're going to try to climb it and then die a sad, miserable death. Like there is no, they're not going to get halfway to the top, to the mountain and go, eh, at least we gave it our best shot. Like that's not how this, this team of all teams that John Calipari has ever had. That's not how this team operates. It's going to either hit the peak or die trying. And it's, like a comforting feeling, know that knowing that there's those extremes, but also a really, really scary reality with that. There, there is. There's, there's a very, very scary reality, and and, and I don't know where me and you fall. Like, if you want to archive this episode, is it in the two negative? Is it in the two positive of uh, of what everybody actually thinks we are? But I, I would call it the. We had a real conversation on here, with not a lot of X's and O's talk. We we talked a lot about just how it really is and what I think we all hope it ends up being. And these sessions, that, that's what I'm going to call them because I think all of us kind of get on here and need to vent <laughs> because it's it's not just episodes. I think it's sessions where we all come together. And, and sometimes I'll go into these shows with notes and things that I want to say. And then when I get behind this mic, it actually really comes out how I feel about it. And sometimes it's not as negative as what I thought it was going to be. And sometimes it might be a little bit more negative than what I thought it was going to be. But what I can give you is it's real. And it's truly what I think and what I see and how I'm viewing this. The The easy thing to do right now is to just stay in. Because, yeah, you can be frustrated. You can think it's not going to get done. But I would rather stay connected and then deal with it when it's done and then see it that it that it didn't go the way I wanted it to. It, what does that solve now? You know, like that's kind of my okay. thing. Mitch will not fire Cal with five games left in the regular season. So even if you are hell bent, dead sent on Cal getting canned, what good does that do right this second? It does zero. It 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 is a waste of your oxygen, and you are doing more harm than good. To the players specifically, these kids that I said earlier in the show, there's nine years of pent-up aggression and frustration from the fan base about not getting to that Final Four, not getting to that pinnacle, and you are putting that weight on their shoulders and their shoulders only by dealing with the other bigger picture fire cow stuff. It does no good right now. If we have to have that conversation with a round of 32 exit here in three weeks, four weeks, whatever, and whatever it is from right now, we can have that conversation with when the day comes, but to have it right now is doing a disservice to the kids. And that's all I care about. 
be about the kids. There's a lot of talk about players first and all that, but I think with so much loud, wasted time argument that we've been dealing with, with the the showboating and the peacocking and the puffing chest outs and both sides wanting to prove something more than the other, it has been hurting the kids more than anything. And with five games left in the regular season, let's all grow up. Let's all sack up and say, this is about the kids. This is about them and them only. They are fighting like hell to raise a banner inside Rep Arena, and they're doing it for the right reasons. I don't know if anybody else involved is doing it for the right reasons, but we know for damn certain that these kids are doing it for the right reasons. Do it for them. Just believe in them, and if all hell breaks loose, then we'll have that conversation when the day comes. But until then, fight for the kids just like they're fighting for you. As long as you've got 40 minutes left to play, then you've got you've got a chance and you've got an opportunity. And there's still plenty of 40-minute nights remaining on the schedule. As long as you got one, there's because there's going to be teams that that don't have 40 minutes at some point. And you just hope Kentucky's, you know, not one of those teams. But the whole the banner up there, it says what now? Well, what now is you you get to Rupp Arena Saturday. And you turn your TV on mid Saturday afternoon, and this I'm telling I'm giving myself the same advice here. I'm not getting caught up in the what's the future of the program look like until I have to, because there's still season to be played. We've seen this team put together some some really good highs. We've also seen them put together some lows, some really some really low lows. And long as there's opportunities to play and there's runway left, I'm going to stay on for the ride here and let's see where it goes. We're going to navigate it. We're going to talk about the positives. We're going to talk about the negatives every episode on this podcast like we have done for four years, Jack. We're going to continue to doing it. We're going to navigate it together. We're going to be side by side at the SEC tournament doing these. And we'll see where this thing goes. But for right now, it's a regroup and beat Alabama. That's where it starts. Oh, baby. Well, you can beat Alabama. If, if we're going to beat Alabama, you might as well be there in person. And if you're going to be there in person, make sure you use our friends at game time. You should not have to worry when you are buying tickets to your next big event. Now isn't the time for guesswork. With killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee, game time does all of the hard work for you. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event. And even an hour after it starts, it is the place to find last-minute seats, find exclusive flash deals and sponsor deals on tickets for football basketball baseball concert comedy theater and more game time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase i'm looking here right now um that it's 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 a hot ticket item i will say i'll, I'll be totally transparent it, it is a hot ticket but you can get in there for 160 bucks all in price no extra nonsense fees no, none of that bs like you get in there for 162 bucks and it's going to be must-see event. I mean, all hell's going to break loose inside Rupp Arena, and you want to be there for that, Sean. Uh, I, I know we've had a couple of uh, very close friends utilize our our friends at game time, and they have thoroughly enjoyed their experience. Yeah, they have. And uh, that is exactly what you need to do for Saturday. It's it's a big one. And I, and I know you fans have showed up, Gonzaga. They've showed up Tennessee. They've, they've showed up Florida. They left disappointed, but – this is the the big one, big one at home to kind of to wrap this thing up. And 
Kentucky fans need to pack Rupp Arena. Like this is a this is a win, and that's how you do it from game time. And if you've never been to Rupp, you can see exactly where you're going to sit, and uh, you'll get a feel of what the what the arena looks like. But use game time and get to Rupp Arena. I know Jack and I will be there Saturday. Massive opportunity for Kentucky, and they're going to need everybody they can in the seats. Game time guarantee also means that you'll get the best price guarantee if you find tickets in the same section and row for less. Game time will credit you 100, 110% of the difference. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code KSR for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code KSR for $20 off, download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Uh, also, uh, have you seen the we have we don't have an opening line yet for Alabama, right? I believe that'll that'll come out tomorrow at some point. I haven't seen it. No, I've not seen anything. What is what is Ken Palm projecting? We'll see. We'll see how that aligns with. Uh, we'll see that how that aligns with the actual official line that comes out tomorrow. I'm loading it up right now. Um, but anyway, while I'm while I'm goofing off. Uh, get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150. If your bet wins, bet on all of your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Pilgrim and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sport, sportsbook partner of the NBA, 21 and older and present in Kentucky. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets, which expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. Um, as I'm loading this up right now i will have it in approximately two seconds about what the um all right well it's failing me right now but uh, what, what do you what are you expecting the line to be at uh it is uh there ken palm projects a two-point loss 90 uh, to 88 with a 43 percent chance of kentucky winning i was gonna say alabama a point and a half that's what I was going right to put it at. The or, or two and a half is where I, I was going to go one and a half or two and a half. I, I think it'll be somewhere in that range. Um, Which is essentially a pick them at, at, well, f- favoring Alabama ever so slightly, but ho- can, home court home court advantage is, is essentially picking a, a pick them. It is. And, and to me, Kentucky's going to get one of these at home. And this is the – I mean, obviously the other two games I know are against is it Vandy and Arkansas. Is that right? To, to close the regular season at Rupp. Yep. So this is the last one to get the big one at Rupp. So uh, this, this to me, I actually am confident Kentucky gets a win Saturday. I, I am. I, I was thinking that before the LSU game. I'm, I'm thinking it now too. Like I think they're going to break through and, and get one of these, and then this is the one that just so happens to be the last one. I thought it would be one of the others, but but looking at it, I, I just think that this team has too much to to lose Florida, Tennessee, Gonzaga, Alabama down the stretch. I, I think they're going to get it right inside that building against a quality opponent. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I know there are a couple of tough matchups, and the high-octane scoring is what it is. It plays right to Kentucky. If we needed a – okay, how come we haven't been able to get out of the 70s since the Gonzaga game? This is the perfect opportunity. It's it's an opportunity for them to get back on track. Uh, and, you know, 
again, hopefully find their defensive offensive footing in the short term, but continue the defensive growth that they've shown uh, here here in recent weeks. So great opportunity. It's going to be a blast. It's going to be an all-time environment. I, I have that same kind of vibe. I felt really good going into the Auburn game, but that was more of a like day of feeling. But I trust this team's ability to respond well uh, at home against Alabama. It really shocked me for them to kind of go lay an egg uh, with with such a high profile, with so much at stake. Uh, it really would would blow my mind if we saw anything, uh, you know, other than a close, hard fought battle down the stretch where. Hopefully Kentucky finds a, a way to win this one. It, it all kind of come come to a head if so many you know high profile game close finding ways to win down the stretch. It, it would make a lot of sense for it to kind of you know all come to a head at Rupp Arena on Saturday, and that's what I'm rooting for. I, th- I think Kentucky wins close. I think it is a high scoring affair, and they get the little statement they they, they are in need of. Sean, I'm with you. That is that is exactly how I feel with it too. I, I think that. There's too much talent on this team to to not get one of these big ones at Rupp, and uh, this would be we talked about a step in the right direction. That was the kind of the the motto there last week, and then it was don't have any slippage. But now you you got to take that step, and you got to go back in the right direction, and then hopefully you can take the next step the following week and continue building on it. But it has to start Saturday. Like this is uh this is an opportunity you need of these games against Alabama, Mississippi State, Tennessee. You, I'd like to see this team get two of the three, at least. And But if you get this one and the one and start, we've got a chance to get all three of them. So win them all. And I believe if my math is right, I'll be at every game down the stretch for the rest of the season. I think Steven and I especially will be, will be at Alabama. We're going to Starkville next week. Home at our, uh, against Arkansas, home against Vanderbilt, and then at Tennessee to close out the are you Are you just hitting home games, or are you going to hit any road, road trips, Sean? I'm just hitting the home games right now where we're starting postseason play. We open district tournament next Wednesday. So uh, I'll be at the home dates for sure. But depending on how things go, I'll be at the 11th or the obviously we got the 11th region tournament and everything coming up. So I'll I'll be at the SEC tournament and then NCAA tournament wherever we go. We're going on a run, baby. I, I'm I'm speaking into existence. We're going we're we're going to be in Phoenix and we're going to have the 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 biggest celebration of Tell, all celebrations to close that thing out. Make sure Steven knows he has uh, some big shoes to fill in Starkville on a trip with you to Starkville because, uh, boy, good times. One day, one day we'll tell that story. Maybe we'll do that on the next show. If we have a feel, goal, feel good Saturday, we'll tell the Starkville story. Does we, that sound we, good? Yeah, I, we, I think we need to. I think that'll be or at we, least at least – Maybe the post game at Starkville. If we win that one, we'll we'll share that. Um, That's hel- the, hilarious, Dante Allen story. We'll, it, was, uh, it was hilarious, and then you also questioned uh, how smart or not smart I am around uh, around a fire outside. So <laughs> <laughs> that'll be a, so. Is that game? Yeah, the game's Tuesday, so that'll be a, a hell of a Wednesday show. We'll. Be looking forward to that, Sean. This was a good show. A good little, like, get some stuff off our chest. Not a whole ton of pure X's and O's, but uh, definitely more of a vent session that we both desperately needed. So, Sean, appreciate you coming on. As always, where can fans find your work? You can follow me on Twitter at GBB Country. 
Find me on Twitter as well at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Go subscribe to KSR Plus. Join that growing community. We're having a blast over there. Uh, daily conversations, intel, scoop that you are not getting anywhere else. I promise you. Uh, go go make sure you do that. And while you're at it, subscribe here. If you're not, what are you doing? Make sure you're liking. Make sure you keep on commenting. We're having a blast. Appreciate everybody joining us in the comments, including Booker T, who is just the the biggest just negative nancy on the planet so uh appreciate you joining us even even you especially booker uh appreciate each and every one of you we'll see you next time on sunday hopefully for a, a winning show we we need that we, we need one we deserve one hopefully we will see you on sunday Hello, it is your partner, Big Boy, interested in giving back to your community while making new connections in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network that empowers you to take action, contribute to local needs, and be a part of something bigger than yourself. Visit caneighbors.com to learn more about how you can get to know your neighbor and strengthen your community. Neighbor to Neighbor, it takes a neighborhood. Hello.